guys, and welcome to another episode of this podcast. Um, I don't know what else it would be. Um, Just two lads. You have to say the title. That way people oh. get grabbed right away. Come on. That what, What's this awkward silence? What's this awkward <laughs> silence? You got, you're dead space to Marco. He has to edit out later. No I'm awkward s- silences. I'm sorry, Marco. I was glaring at Andres. That was not a glare. And you can tell Marco <laughs> if you have the footage. <laughs> Oh, welcome, um, welcome, welcome to Just Two Lads this week. Coming in live, we have Kelsey with special guest Andres. <laughs> That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Perfect oh, intro. okay. That'll be our next episode intro then. Um, but <laughs> how's it going? How's school been? How's the improv sucky. team? Uh, oh, no, the improv team's not sucky. <laughs> it's like sucky twice. Uh, school sucky just because I, I started before all my friends. So I'm already week three as a recording of this uh, podcast and it sucks. I'm deep in it already taking 20 units plus my team. Plus, uh, I'm trying out to be on the judicial board at UCI. I, I made it past two rounds of interviews and now I am going to see if I get the job this week. So we'll see how that goes. That essentially make me like a Supreme Court justice of the school. So I'm super excited about that. But I'm a fourth year, so odds are I won't get the job just because I'm about to leave. So yeah. You never uh, know. <laughs> you never know. You never know. And then my team, my team's my team. Things are good. Uh, it's still a lot of new people, so it's hard to judge where we're at right now. Um, this, we're still in the middle of transition period where I'm coming to the end of my term. Therefore, someone's term shall come first soon. <laughs> so we're in the middle of that. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's me. That's now. That's school. It's almost like you're getting ready to inaugurate a new captain. Don't use that word now me. Don't <laughs> use that word around me. Listen, so we also want to make this clear. We're recording this before the inauguration. So if anything crazy, scary, or like wild happens, please don't get mad at us for not addressing it. Thank you. That's our <laughs> PSA. This is our PSA. As much as Kelsey and I would like to record two hours before it goes live, we don't do that. Um, but regardless of if you want us to talk about the inauguration or not, we have some pretty exciting topics for today. Um, the first of which, when I brought it up, Andres was really excited about, which was something I learned in one of my classes, um, criminal procedure to be exact, which is about Delta's biometric terminal in the Atlanta airport. To clarify, Delta is an air, uh, is an airline, right? Yes, an American like major airline. I think they're also in like the Star Alliance with like Air France and KLM and those air carriers, which makes this even scarier to me. So why you think they're about to go global with this? They could. Here's here's my thing. So I've done a lot of work on privacy rights. I've done a lot of classes on privacy rights because that really interests me. And so basically what Delta wants to start integrating into its um, international flights is using your face as your boarding pass. So using face recognition or a retinal eye scan as your boarding pass, which to me feels really scary. (laughs) Feels invasive. It feels invasive, especially because why we talked about this in my criminal procedure class is Once you give up privacy rights in one area of your life, it's really hard to get them back to tell other people no. And so, you know, I don't have face ID set up on my phone. I don't want anyone to have a retinal scan of me. You know, that just seems really scary. And the reason- Kelsey, 
Do you have a Google Photos? Do you have a Google Photos? <laughs> Please excuse me <laughs> well, from this well, Bust your world? Yeah. If you have Google I, Photos, that's all they do. They, they recognize faces. But I feel like that's different than giving a major airline who has foreign facial recognition. You're so right. It's very <laughs> different to give it to a foreign airline than Google, the powerhouse of the world, who has connections with every country and every... In every country. Uh... Listen, I want to make the distinction because Google has like privacy disclaimers, right? Sure. That says like, we will not use your privacy for anything but these specific things or you can opt out of privacy, right? But what I haven't seen anything about Delta giving their users like face privacy rights, you know, and if someone from Delta wants to educate us, like, please come on this podcast. But for right now, and they can give us miles. <laughs> yeah, give us miles. Um, to me, it just seems really scary, especially because not scary in like a an actual terror type way, but it feels like you said invasive, especially because these are facial recognitions that go like overseas like it's only for international flights which to me that just seems like there's a lot more mischief that can get up to like the more places that your face is stored the more people who have access to do misdeeds with it you know Mm -hmm. and not like I'm a target of anyone (laughs) like looking for a face to steal but you just never know it's like the crack in the door that like opens Pandora's box so I thought that was kind of interesting. Go back, go back, go back. It's the crack in the door that opens Pandora's box. Yeah. If listen, you can... If, listen, if you make fun of me, <laughs> we gotta make fun of you now. You, you are now combining things as well. Welcome to Just Two Lads, Kelsey, where we combine things and come up with things. Hmm? I was just going to say, if you can make up things, so can I. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You heard it here. If Kelsey ever makes fun of me, just refer back to this episode. But I want to talk about more things that you can use your face for at this airport. There's more? Yes. And that's okay. also why I'm like, this is a lot. Okay. So you use face recognition to board your flight. Yes. So that also means if you don't have a boarding pass, how do you get through TSA? TSA will now also have to have your face. And that means how do you get like legitimized by TSA? You have to link up your passport number with a photo of your face, which doesn't that feel pretty invasive of your privacy? That sounds super invasive, number one. Number two, this is a domino effect that I cannot believe that will occur. What's next? I can I can just walk into a store, grab a piece of candy and walk out because they're scanning my face and charging my account. Um that's what the Amazon store does except but it's no, not your face. No, it's it's not like your face though. That's different. That's different. That's different. <laughs> but isn't I'm that saying... <laughs> No, that's it. I'm that's all that's where my sentence ended. I'm, my sentence ended with I, that I'm saying. That's it. <laughs> right? Like it just feels like okay, if we allow this then what's the next step? Because it's also because I get that a lot of people have issues with privacy rights with governments owning or like being able to track you through your face and stuff. But I don't feel like the distinction is that different between 
Well, actually, no, I take that back. I feel like there's a huge distinction between the government having your face and a company because the government can like come after you for crimes that things you commit and companies can't really do that. But However, they can at the same they time. Can, right? They can like instigate lawsuits against you, I guess, but it just feels like another huge step towards people really having no expectation of privacy anywhere in their lives well let's talk about something on paper i trust facebook and google a lot more with my face than i do the government right on paper in practice i trust the government far more than i trust any company with my face because at least the government's the government at the end of the day well depending the school branch of knowledge that you believe in the government's (laughs) built to protect you and protect the citizens and it will protect you and its citizens a company is self-interested at the end of the day though like it will use its information for whatever it wants and who you you're gonna sue it no it's you signed you signed a policy so like i don't know i don't know no i definitely get what you're saying i feel like the way that each party exploits the information is very different Like the government just kind of has to have it to keep tabs on people until they decide that you're a threat. And then it's really easy for them to like know where you are. But like companies care about you because you're like the product, but they aren't caring enough about you to, if you say no to their product and like no to having them, I guess, invade your you're allowing them into your privacy rights it's not as big of a deal but i don't know it's just a very interesting food for thought topic that i wanted to bring up to our podcast audience because i think people really don't understand how much of their privacy rights they actually sign away just in like being on the internet at all because facebook tiktok instagram snapchat twitter youtube this podcast (laughs) like you all the the older i get the more i care about my privacy rights Mm -hmm. but it's a little too late now already because god knows how many i've already signed away over the course of my life just being a kid of the internet Mm -hmm. like who knows how much data is actually out there on me and Mm -hmm. in reality i have no privacy like in reality (laughs) i used to be of the mind of thought like i'm not doing anything wrong so what so what's the problem Mm -hmm. but the older I get, the more I'm like, well, I just prefer if they just don't. I just yeah. prefer if they don't have that, you know? Well, and it's also like, because I took a whole privacy, like, right, intrusion upon seclusion, public disclosure, private facts, that sort of class. Um, and basically, the more privacy settings you have set up on your social media, the more, like, subjective expectation of privacy you have should you ever sue someone for invading your privacy rights Mm -hmm. but it is interesting like how do you start legislating privacy rights in a world where it's already so fluid and like so far gone what do you do I have this conversation constantly with people as and I think I've had it with you in the past before maybe 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 when we're talking about TikTok who knows the issue with government uh, almost any government, but it's but the biggest issue is the United States is we're too slow with policy. We're far too slow with policy. And internet's one of those things that we've let get out of hand with no policy on it. Mm-hmm. And now we have to deal with the monster problem where our privacy is out there. Like all of it's mm-hmm. already out there and we've made no policy. We've done nothing about it. And what do we do now? 
Pandora's box has been opened. How do you recapture all the sins of the world and put them back in to a policy? How? Like, there's there's no way. I think we're too far removed now. I think we yeah. acted too late. I mean, there's this saying, I think I've said it on the podcast before, tech moves fast and law moves slow. Yeah. it's just, I don't foresee, and neither do a lot of my professors, really seeing the lawmaking process speed up really anywhere because uh, law takes a long time because so many people have to agree to it for the uh, sake of it being representative of the most number of people possible um, in theory. So yeah, it's just very interesting. It'll be interesting to see how laws change because I know California is instituting a lot more privacy laws, especially for minors um there's a whole lot more privacy laws coming out and like the european union has a ton of super strict privacy laws and stuff so it'll be interesting to see if the u.s like catches up with that at all but you know now that we've talked about privacy rights for probably way too long um you also have another airport story that you want to talk about Yes, 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 yes. As we do on this podcast, we sometimes speak about conspiracies as a conspiracy connoisseur myself. Um, as a conspiracy connoisseur myself. Um, so Kelsey was talking about uh, this airport to me beforehand. Not not much. She did. Kelsey and I always go over bullet points before the podcast. So we surprise each other on the podcast. Um, and she was telling me about this. And then I remembered this famous conspiracy theory amongst uh, mainly Americans, but kind of the world too. Uh, the Denver International Airport. Uh, now, Kelsey, we you you already told me this before that before before the podcast listeners. Have you ever been to this airport? I have. Okay. Uh, have you ever noticed anything weird about this airport? So I was only there once as a kid. So I oh, as a kid. Yeah. Okay. So okay. no. <laughs> no. All right. So this airport is believed to be. Now, unlike other podcasts and unlike Kelsey, I do not prepare before the podcast. Uh, these are always things that are off the top of my head. So not all the details are always right. So always take what I say about these things with a grain of salt, unless I'd say I have a book in front of me. Um, so this airport is believed to be the space and where the new world order will begin. Wait, yes, I've heard a little <laughs> bit about this. Tell me more. So this airport, if you're a child, you may remember this. I don't know when it was erected or anything. It has a giant demonic looking horse. No, I mean, it might be a more recent. Kelsey, don't get offended. Uh, <laughs> there is a giant demonic looking horse in the middle of it all with red flaming eyes that light up at night. Do you remember this horse? I cannot say I was aware of a horse when I was all right, there. So you, look, you look up this horse while I keep talking about this. Yes. Um, so the Denver International Airport is conspiracy theory central. It's believed this really new world order be, and at the center of it all is a giant demonic-looking horse whose eyes glow red at night. And it's believed to be a symbol. Oh, Kelsey's face is freak out mode right now. <laughs> okay, keep going. Yeah, if you get the chance, look it up. Look it up if you can, if you're listening along. Um, and so this horse is meant believed to represent multiple things. Some people believe it's like, oh, the force horsemen of the apocalypse. It's like supposed to be representative of like evil demonic forces and whatnot. Now, Kelsey, now that you're on your phone and as I tell this, look up the murals and paintings from the Denver International Airport. I will somewhat try to describe them off the top of my head if I can. There's one, there's a lot of symbolism of war 
but not a war of the past, not a war the United States has ever fought. They're like wars that kind of predict the future of like downfall and like nuclear war. And it kind of depicts like suffrage, like in a really scary way. Uh, Kelsey, you're looking at them now, right? Can you describe them to me? Yeah, so the one I'm looking at is it kind of looks like it almost looks like from far away it looks like a peaceful gathering but then there's trees on fire um it looks like there's a phoenix fleeing the scene there is a dead it looks like cheetah and it looks like people are praying over an aztec goddess's grave and there's a buffalo with a necklace and a dead child and a whale coming out of nowhere (laughs) So now look at the look for the other one. It has a soldier on it with a gun. Can you look for that one? Yeah. Oh, so while oh looks, my god. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So this is a this is the mural that's right next to that mural, Kelsey, from the previous mural you you uh stated. Can yeah. you describe this one to me? So it looks truly like one of the Captain America Nazi guys. Yes. With like a gas yes. mask. And he yes. has it looks like an automatic rifle with a sword on the tip of it, like a bayonet, and then like a machete over sleeping kids. And then there's like a trail of tears situation of like all these mm-hmm. mothers crying with dead babies and a piece of paper and a dove, which is creepy, and a rainbow. <laughs> yeah. So if you ever look up this theory, this conspiracy theory of the Denver International Airport, they refer to this mural a lot. It's all very symbolically based. Obviously, I don't know all the details of it, but it is kind of suspicious. It's kind of weird, as all conspiracy theories are. <clears throat> There's also, there is a stone. I don't know where it is it located in the, in the airport, but there's a stone that has the Freemason symbol on it, and it says it's dedicated to them. So if you know anything about conspiracy theories, People love to associate and connect all. All right, Kelsey's face is like shattered. All right, Kelsey, catch me up. What, what are we freaking out about? I watched a whole documentary on the Freemasons and how people think that they are like secretly running a puppet regime behind mm-hmm. the president. <laughs> but go yes. ahead, go ahead. So there's this stone. Now, if you follow conspiracy theories, if you, and I mean like the deeper end conspiracy theories, I don't mean like Michael Jackson's alive conspiracy theories. If you go into the deeper end of them all, it always comes back to two people, the Illuminati and the Freemasons. It's always those two parties are always ruling the whole world at all times, according to conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. So this stone's here that's dedicated to the uh, Freemasons. And so conspiracy theorists believe this is a sign that this place is special. Apparently there are hidden underground bunkers underneath this airport and there are a and like there's an underground railway down there. And apparently people believe that if there were to be a nuclear winner, if there were to be a nuclear war or anything, the United States and all of its like top most executive important people would be taken here to its underground base. And this is where the new world order will begin again. That is crazy sounding <laughs> it sounds insane and i've seen so many videos on this place because it just fascinates me uh there's also gargoyles all over the place they're scary looking um that's something that they bring up there's scary looking gargoyles for some reason um and yeah 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 so like 
I believe in recent history, the airport's kind of leaned into it, it being famous for conspiracy theories. It's kind of like mm-hmm. put up like memes around. I think one, I think I saw one the other day where like there's a cat with a tinfoil hat, <laughs> like like photo of it. Just yeah. So um, they've kind of leaned into it. Uh, some would argue to get people off their trail. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just putting ideas out there. Uh, conspiracy theories 101. Um, <laughs> yeah. About Freemasons though. The Freemasons of America are nothing compared to the Freemasons of the rest of the world. I like to let that be known. The Freemasons of America are more kind of like a specialized glorified book club. Like they, they just share knowledge. They have great knowledge. They do hold secrets, but it's not like world dominating things. The Freemasons of Italy though, whole other shebang. Really? They involved in politics. They have connections to international powers. The the women, uh, this is a brotherhood. It's a fraternity. But the wives of these men are just as involved, just as powerful. And it's this whole weird thing where the Freemasons of other countries outside the United States, powerful people. Like they truly, they truly are knowledgeable, powerful people holding powerful positions. Freemasons of America, bunch of old dudes in a book club. I'm going to lay that out there. I would know. I know a few of them. Bunch of old dudes in a book club. But see, that's so interesting because in the documentary I watched they had a semi I'm not saying like our age but like probably late 30s early 40s and Mm. he was like I'll never tell the secrets you can't know (laughs) it's like a blood oath type thing Uh it was it's been a while since I've watched the documentary so I don't want to say like this is exactly what he said but it's like extremely secretive from what I supposed to be have heard but it's also just to me Anything that is still not allowing women to be members in now 2021 just feels like there's something not so kosher going on behind closed doors, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Wow. Wow. (laughs) Secretly is a Greek club, for those of you who understand that reference. (laughs) But like, it, it doesn't seem weird to you. Like all male clubs, I get it that they're allowed to exist. I'm not saying that everything has to be like everyone for everyone because that kind of defeats the purpose of like certain social clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in like a racist way or like a sexist way, but like an interest-based way. Mm-hmm. Um, but like something like the Freemasons, which is supposed to be a place of knowledge and of learning, like why still keep women out from that? Like what pedagogically is going on you know i wish i had an answer i truly do but if i had to guess women are inferior if i just had to make a bold guess i'm assuming that's it well it's also very interesting because most of the freebasins that were in that website were or on that documentary were you guessed it white males (laughs) yeah yeah that's america so also Uh, interesting Yes. Other, this is sort of related, but okay. I actually, it, by my apartment in LA, to get to my local Taco Bell, um, drive past a old Freemasons building. Oh, thank you for bringing this up. Yes, yes. Another thing about the Freemasons in America, their buildings are public. Their buildings are, they have their symbols everywhere. It's like, we are Freemasons and I want you to know. <laughs> in Italy and other European countries... No signs, nothing. It is truly secret. You must be a brother to get in and to know where to go. Like, there's no symbols. There's nothing in in Italy. Like, nothing. In America, 
If you're an American, you've seen these buildings. You have mm-hmm. seen at least one of these buildings in your life before. In Italy, you, you can go your whole life never seeing one. So interesting. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's just very weird to think about how kind of like Americentric the world kind of is and how we as Americans a lot of the time assume that things, we know things are different in other countries, but we never fathom how different they are from America, you know? So yeah, that's very interesting. What a wild segue. (laughs) That's the argument to education, right? That's the whole Mm -hmm. reason education is considered so valuable is that you stop having such a American centric view of the world and you understand that we're so different. Yeah. Something also I read from my law and genocide book, which is very scary. If, if it's the book I told you I'm sending to you when I'm done with it, it's very scary. But basically, um, a lot of the Nazis in like Holocaust era Germany, a lot of the high ranking officials were actually highly educated lawyers. Really? And like they basically legislated a way for the Holocaust to be legal. Really? Oh, yeah. This is the behind the scenes stuff I wish history <laughs> classes taught. Go on. Right? That's why I want to send you this book because it's very interesting. Like people only think of the Nazis as monsters, like six years of obvious concentration camp, mass killing type post Russia or post Poland invasion. Right. Hmm. But they actually were in power for 12 years. And the way they did it is basically by silencing voting rights and civil rights of political opposition and Jewish people by getting Someone convinced the the president, I don't know what his actual title was of Germany at the time, to like let Hitler have a position because- Chancellor, they, right? He yeah, he was chancellor. Yeah. And then he was saying, well, when he gets into office, he will become more moderate. Like his views will not become as crazy, which has a really interesting parallel to- what some people thought in the not so distant past, <laughs> I don't want to bring anything up about once people get into power, their views will moderate. That didn't happen in this case. And then basically when the president got sick and basically died, basically he did die. <laughs> he got sick and he died. Hitler was basically like, well, I now have control of the government. So I'm going to be chancellor and president, which makes him surer like the ultimate representative. Fior, yes. Yeah. And then before that happened, he basically had the president sign this sort of like martial law type decree, meaning that the person who held the office could legislate things without parliament having to pass it, which meant Hitler could make all of these laws denying Jews voting rights, denying them civil rights, the ability to own a car, to own a business, to have like who they could marry and they actually came up with who was classified as a Jew versus who wasn't based on their grandparents and all of these laws started coming in that enabled the later mass killings to actually be legal under German law because they they consolidated power and made all of these atrocities legal before they started doing them. So that when people were like, I can't believe they're doing this, there has to be a law against it. They're pointed to the law that explicitly allows it. Wow. Which is just like so crazy because 
I'm actually writing my paper for this class about the Holocaust because I'm very interested in that specific genocide. But like, you wonder how things got to that point where people are literally getting mass killed in the streets, randomly chosen for crimes in a community. And you start thinking, wow, how powerful the law is to legislate and desensitize people to what they think is unacceptable. And then it kind of got me on this, this spiral of then I'm thinking, this is the only example I could think of, but like the anti-maskers. In a way, wouldn't you, if it were the other way around, want people railing against the government for things that they don't feel are acceptable, mm-hmm. right? Like in this case, the anti-maskers are stupid and like a danger to society. But in a way, aren't those type of people kind of important to have, even if they are, you know, to an extreme, like the far right, like extremely violent and dangerous. But isn't it to some degree important to have that dissent against, you know, everyone just following the law? Because the law sometimes isn't right, you know? So that was an incredible argument. And <laughs> if so, what you're telling me is, Though America is slow and dumb sometimes, and uh, <laughs> though we have a lot of people who challenge laws that really shouldn't be challenged, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's pretty important to always have someone who's challenging them. Right. Because it's like when you and I get into arguments, it's important to have someone to challenge you to make sure that your argument is like solid, right? Mm-hmm. And like the, the thing with anti-maskers is like their argument is not solid, so it doesn't really matter. But like the ideology of people like, still questioning the government's decision and like not just blindly following it, I think is really important to make sure that these like type of horrible atrocity crimes aren't basically allowed because people are so complacent that they never question anything, you know? Well, that is an incredibly fascinating (laughs) argument that I totally subscribe to. That's very, that's a very unique stance that I like. I like it. Thank you. I might get some hate from our audience for saying well, that. Well, <laughs> I've always believed that our podcast is one of debates <laughs> and riveting <laughs> arguments. Next episode, we have to start wearing togas at every recording so that we bruh, really like. The bruh, if we're wearing togas in this podcast, you can, I promise you I'm never even late to the podcast. I would be in here in a toga making a Caesar stance every time. <laughs> My God, it'd just be too much. It'd just be too I'm much down. for me personally to it. handle. I'm into it. <laughs> I've always wanted to go to Greece. I've always wanted to be an ancient Greek person. And then I remember how much ancient Greece actually sucked in certain ways. But as a Eurocentric learning people that we are, very fascinating. But I also have always been dying to go to Egypt and go to West Africa and go to uh, Japan and China and India I've actually always dreamt of going to India. Um, so yeah, I have a great fascination with Siddhartha Gautama. for those of you who do know me. So I have a great fascination he, for things that aren't Eurocentric. He was one of your um, celebrity birthday podcast he was. people. He was for the birthday episode. Yeah. Uh, he was one of the people I want to have dinner with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that just, we have gotten on so many wild tangents today. <laughs> but that's what we are all about, Kelsey. That's what that's we're all true. about. That's true. 
that's true so for something equally menacing but not as like threatening to our actual existence and our like existential dread i want to talk about butterflies okay ah yes yes i remember now not the butterfly effect but butterflies right the bug the ugly nasty insect that i have always hated and gotten so much grief because i i have gotten so we all know that i have a weird spiritual connection to like forces beyond our earth (laughs) yes yes i have always felt really uncomfy in like a non-physical way when a butterfly lands on me and i would like to be given credit for knowing that butterflies are little nasty parasite type bugs on humans are you ready for aren't they just moths but colorful aren't no. they just okay well okay. maybe they could be i don't know really what a moth is besides that i'm okay. scared of them but butterflies can actually be found at most scenes of dead fish carcasses. Why? Because they eat rotting fish and rotting poop of dead animals. What? Yes. They don't eat leaves? They do eat leaves. However, their diet of plants does not provide them enough sodium to survive so they're attracted to salty sweaty dead things to get sodium which is why when butterflies land on you you're not actually special they're actually attracted to how much sweat is on your skin and they are actually trying to suck at you like bite you and eat you but their little like tongue thing is too small to actually hurt human skin Oh, so so they they aren't piercing us though. Like they're no. attempting to, but they can't. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, and the reason that this has so much of a visceral response for me is because you've been to Las Vegas, right? I have many times. Have you ever been to the Bellagio Gardens? I have once. So have you ever been there in the summertime? I have not. I've only ever gone to Vegas in the winter, really. Mm. And maybe the summer like once. So during the summer, many years ago, I don't know if they still do it, but they used to have this butterfly enclosure in the middle of the Bellagio Gardens. Butterfly I've been to those. I've been yeah. to butterfly. Um, and for those of you who don't know what the Bellagio Gardens are, it's like a big botanical garden where they make big flower sculptures and stuff. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely yeah, it's, gorgeous. It's yeah. really pretty. Um, highly recommend. It's free, so... That's fun. But they used to have a butterfly enclosure. And every time we would go, we would go when we were little because our nannies would want to do something with us over summer when we weren't in school. And they would always try and get me to go into that freaking butterfly enclosure. Be like, it's fine. They're so nice. They're just so lovable. They're like ladybugs. And I was like, no, I do not like butterflies. They creep me out. Don't make me go in there. And now 23 years later, or no, I wasn't two, like 15 years later, (laughs) Two. 15 years later i feel vindicated that they just wanted to eat my flesh okay kelsey yeah there's no animal that cares about us like like there's no animal that realistically cares about us at all true or bug or whatever all we are to each other are just meat sacks that can be used or eaten i'm just saying that I just, I feel vindicated about the whole butterfly issue. 
So you're saying it's all come full circle now that you have this knowledge. Yeah. Well, that's great. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I just, I, I've been learning so much since we recorded last week. It's been a very intellectually stimulating week. Would you say that this podcast has taught you things? I mean, I would. Would you say, would you say that this podcast is arguably educational? I guess, but not educational in like. I would a, say it is. But not like traditional so traditional sense. I guess. I mean, it's kind of like us talking about things to hopefully get other people interested in them as well. Like it's not educational. Like you should go to us only for information. Not at all. But I would say every episode is not just us talking. It's us. Because we could, I mean, probably if it was normal, we'd talk about our weeks, but it's more of like Kelsey and I presenting information to one another. That's (laughs) true. That's very like true. Johnny Appleseed. I'm still mind blown. <laughs> still mind blown. If you haven't listened to the Cult of the Seed episode, listen to that because you you heard me go on a ramble about how much my mind was blown, and I'm still mind blown. Like, what are we? Four weeks later, whatever we are, like, it's a Cult of the Seed. <laughs> dang, dang, man, I'm still still thrown about it. Still having nightmares about waking up with apple no, seeds in your not mouth. Nightmares, <laughs> but dreams. I can be the next Johnny Appleseed, bro. I don't necessarily see that for you. I could be Jalapeno Jose or whatever. <laughs> Playing jalapenos across America. Then we become the USA, but it's the S is for spicy. There you go. United <laughs> Spice of America. Yes. Yes. Uh, the United Spice of America. I like yeah. that. Um, but would you like me to present something else to you today? Depends. Well, I like it. <laughs> It's one of those crazy situations that everyone has in their lives. I love crazy and I love situations. So hit me. So Andres, question. Answer. Do you like the sound of your own voice? No. Uh, Well, I'm starting to get used to it, but not that I like it. Just start recording (laughs) the podcast. I'm starting to get used to listening to it. So I came across a video explaining why humans generally hate the sound of their own voice when they hear it recorded. Can I throw a theory out and then we see how close I am? Sure. I'm going to assume it's because the only voice of ourselves that we hear is this internalized, harmonized vibration in our head. And ergo, when we hear the real one, it sounds slightly off and we don't like things that sound slightly off or look slightly off. You're not wrong, but there's a little bit of tweaking that I want to make to your guess. Okay. So this is especially interesting to me as a singer because I have two different voices to get used to, which is my speaking voice and my singing voice um, because they're very different. It's the same one. Yeah, for most people, for most people who are not like trained singers or people who consider themselves like talented, I guess, um, it's, it's mostly the same thing. But for singers, this is very interesting as well, um, because really technically proficient singers do not listen to themselves sing. They don't sing by listening, they sing by feeling. I've heard of this. So, so I'll go into why you hate the sound of your own talking voice first, which is you're correct. We do hear an internal bone rumble basically in our heads Mm. that adds a really nice 
rich, deep timbre to our voices that you don't really get when you're recorded or someone else hears you. Yes. Now, obviously, the quality of the recording instrument you're using also can affect the way that your voice sounds. But assuming that the thing that you spoke into that you were hearing back is like a perfect repetition. Yeah, perfect repetition of your voice. You don't hear a lot of the enharmonics and the ear bone jiggles and the head resonance sounds, air pockets that your voice has, right? Mm -hmm. Because your head is in stereo. So it hears kind of all around, but microphones even if they're in stereo settings, don't have the same pickup as the human head does, right? Okay. Which is also interesting because the shape of your skull affects your singing voice. Did you know I, that? You told me this <laughs> when I met you many years ago. You told me that's why singers like Freddie Mercury and stuff didn't want to fix their teeth or anything because they believe that the skull structure and their face structure is important to their singing voice. It actually absolutely is, um, which we could talk about in a moment, but I want to keep going down the same path so we don't lose the audience because okay. they don't have my great gesticulations to see. Of course, of course. So also your voice sounds different in your head because your cochlea filters out some of the sound. So you don't actually fully hear all the sound coming out of your mouth. You what? hear kind of like a dampened sound because your cochlea, if you think about it, if you're in a public place and you're just kind of doing your work, you're at Starbucks, you don't really hear it until someone says your name, right? Right. Like your brain and your ears filter out sounds. It doesn't feel really serve you in that moment. And so right. when you're talking to someone like we're talking, I'm not actually really listening to myself. I'm listening to you. My brain is telling my ears to listen more to your voice than to mine. Right. So it's kind of, I'm not fully paying attention to what my voice sounds like when I speak, which means okay. that when I hear it back and I'm forced to focus on as much of it as was captured, it's weird because your brain's like, I've never had to fully focus on this before like that. Isn't that weird? So if I gathered all the pieces right and simplifying all of it, I I am hearing my voice at all times, but my mind, because it's just it's so naturally used to it, is muting so much of it. To, so it's just background noise that mm -hmm. I'm not hearing my true voice. I am mm -hmm. hearing a, the mind's rendition of a pitched down variation of my voice. Meanwhile, when I listen to the real thing, my mind has no reason to cancel any noise up. It's just a noise to me. And ergo, I hear the true nature of my voice, mm -hmm. which my mind does not know and feels weird about. And your voice is mixed with your internal reading voice. So you know how you hear things in your head when you read? Yes. So your voice is mixed with your brain voice when you're talking. Did you know that there's people who don't hear voice? I know, that's it's weird. That's weird. I <laughs> I've seen entire articles on it. Uh, there's people out there, it might be a listener, who don't have an internal voice at all. And apparently, Kelsey, some people believe they are the majority. Some, some articles claim that they may be the majority and those who hear voice are the minority. So there, there's, there's different articles on it who have different arguments uh, and say who is the actual majority and which one is normality. Mm -hmm. But yes, I am with you. I do hear a voice in my head when I read and stuff. But to some people, it's just silent. 
It's just silent. To How? them, it's just images. When they read, it's just images. And they, their mind just understands what each image means, but there's no sound associated to them. Nothing. It's just images that they read. How peaceful their minds must be. <laughs> well, that's like, when I was younger in elementary school and whatnot, like, I remember I got the thought once of, like, they, they used to tell you, like, go to complete silence when you meditate. Look, look, like, hear the earth and sky. But my mind, I'm looking at, like, I look at tree, my mind goes tree. You know, I look at grass, <laughs> my mind goes, like, grass, you know? Like, like I could just internally somewhat hear myself. But mm-hmm. these people, they just look at tree just... And I'm like, oh, that's what they meant by true silence, which means whoever meditated is desired by people who have silent heads. Interesting. So what you're saying is I was never meant to be good at meditating and I don't have to feel bad about it. Yes. What I'm <laughs> saying God. is those of us who have mental like hearing that we're kind of a disadvantage when it comes to the meditating. Interesting. I you like get distracted it. by your own voice. Oh, all the time all the time I'm like reading I'm like reading con law and then it's like I wonder what I want for dinner tomorrow and then like a yes. whole page has gone by yes. and you have to go back and read the whole dang page yeah or I'll be like maybe we should talk about that on the podcast let me write that down and then I write it down and I'm like what was I talking about and then I go back to my book and I remember what I'm talking about but I can't write it down because I can't remember it because it was in my head only triggered by the words on the page and that's how just two lives was made <laughs> yes that is very weird if you do not have an internal like reading voice let us know and let us know and especially if you are not weirded out by the sound of your voice because it's not like mixed when you're talking yes if you're not weirded out by the sound of your voice also let us know because everyone almost everyone i've ever encountered is weirded out by it but there must be people who don't get weirded out by it i know it'd be interesting yes please let us know now talking about singing in terms of this, I could truly do a whole podcast just, just on talking, this alone. Yeah, just on this. I have been learning about the anatomy and physiology and theology and ideology of singing since I was like seven. So I've had a long time to get used to my singing voice, but singers don't listen to their own voices, right? When you're singing, do you listen to your own voice, really? Of course not. Of course not. (laughs) Is that by choice or does it filter out? Both. (laughs) (laughs) So singers, you know what a trombone is, right? Of course I do, yes. Great, like a slide trombone. So singers actually sing with their larynx like slide trombones. Yeah, and you know what your larynx is, right? Yes. Okay, for those of you who might not, that's where your Adam's apple is. For guys, for girls, it's the same place. You just don't have an Adam's apple. (laughs) It's the same muscle bone structure. So when you sing, it's actually a very complicated procedure, right? Okay, yes. Do you think singing is hard? All I know is you gotta use your diaphragm, that's it. (laughs) That is actually completely not true. Never mind then. But okay, so I want to ask you some questions about singing before I talk about it. What have I done? (laughs) Sure. All right. Let's find out. And there are no value judgments. I just generally want to know what your thoughts are. All right. So what do you think singing lessons do to help you become a better singer? Or do they even help you? They train you to know which parts of your internal throat to constrain so that wind comes out differently. They also train you how to hold your breath longer and stuff so that you can like have longer notes in prep. 
Okay. That's a very, that's more than I think most people think singing lessons do. Do you think that singing lessons can take someone from being like, okay, to a great singer? Yes, actually. Yes. Like great meaning there's like, okay, to good, to like, great, like masterfully. I think singing is one of those things that most people can like, if they dedicate themselves, like any instrument, because singing is an instrument. Uh, but there's just some people's voices who just suck. But uh, <laughs> yes, I do believe, I believe that if I started a singing program now, in like two years, I could be pretty great at it. Okay, that's interesting. Um, that's a very interesting time frame. I'm wondering why do you think that specific time frame? When you get it down, the, the next year to, to uh, hone it in. Two years. So, okay, this is a do you know Kelsey Instagram quiz question. <laughs> oh, no. How okay. many years of my life have I taken singing, taken singing lessons? How old are you? 25 or 95? What was it? I'm not 25 yet. Thank you very much. You've taken singing classes for 17 years of your life. I can't do math. So I started singing lessons when I was seven years old. Boom, 17 years of your life. Check me. Is that actually the math? Yep. So I've actually taken it because I stopped taking singing lessons in college, my second year of college. Okay. So you How years ago was that? Five, 10? I stopped. Okay, so I started at seven and I stopped at like age 21. 21? So that yeah. is 14 years of life. 14 so 14 years, years of, life. of voice lessons. And you think you years. could get from your level to my level in two years? Maybe in a year. <laughs> Even. in a year <laughs> yeah I can I, I can get to you I can get to you easy okay all right I'll let the the podcast audience believe that because they've never actually heard me sing just like the bad they singing. know I'm actually a way better singer That's I know I know, know. <laughs> they're like who is this lady who thinks that she has any authority <laughs> to talk about exactly. this exactly um but okay so more questions about singing do you know the different ranges of singing of course what are like oh. two of them Sure. Uh, we we have altos and we have mm-hmm. sopranos. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have. Uh, <clears throat> I'm assuming not basses. Yes, bass. Bass is one. Uh, that's it. Those are the only three I can name off the top of my head. That was pretty good, actually. So you got soprano. Then under mm-hmm. soprano is a mezzo soprano. Mezzo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then there's altos. Mm-hmm. Got that then one. There's contraltos okay never heard that one before okay those are really really low women singers okay are they always women yes okay um then kind of in the crossover in like alto contralto why am i saying alto alto what is wrong alto. with me <laughs> um there is something called a counter tenor which is like the male version tenors. of the soprano. Yes, yes, tenors. Yes, mm-hmm. I have heard that one. Yes, then tenors are after that. They're your stereotypical um, lead voice types in musical theater. Interesting. Um, as are sopranos. Mezzos and altos usually play like the villains in oh. shows. Um, and then there are berry tenors, which are a mix between a baritone and a tenor. Then there's a baritone and then there's I have bass. heard that one. And yeah, I that one. Okay, so probably, I missed like four or five of these. Yeah, <laughs> but they're all things that you've heard before. Heard of, yes. So, do you also know that there are um, characterizations in each type of voice? 
No, but considering singing is one of the oldest practices humanity has, I'm not surprised that we're broken down this far. I'm surprised at how much respect you have for singing because most people are like singers are just like the trash of the earth. <laughs> well, it, I first of all, I, I regard singing uh, as its own instrument. I, I Unlike many people, I believe singing is an instrument. Your throat is your instrument and whatnot. Um, <laughs> I guess just because I come from an artistic world, so... I, I I know it a bit better and I, mm-hmm. I've seen it a lot more. So mm-hmm. maybe. So now you can impress even your artsy friends if they don't listen to this podcast. If they're like, tell me what you know about singing, Andres, because you're like a poli sci major. You must not like care that much about the arts. And you can like whip all this info at them and nah, just like you know what I'd say back? You know what I'd say? Let me break your instrument right now. <laughs> Boom. Punch him in the throat. <laughs> Punch him in the throat. <laughs> Let me bust up a chord oh. real quick. That'd be so sad. Don't ever do that to me, please. <laughs> I'd rather you punch me in my face than my throat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so there's classifications of each. I'm most familiar with soprano because I'm a soprano. I've been a soprano like literally my whole life. Um, do people change? I don't mean like besides puberty. I mean like can people change? Yes, men actually can change because most of them are called boy sopranos as boys because they're like balls haven't dropped. So they don't have the thickness in their vocal cords. Uh Um, But you can male voices don't fully mature until 50 years old. So you can have some change. Like I've I've noticed a lot of change in my voice from like 21 to now in terms of like the timbre, the tonality and also the range. So Mm. I don't know what I would be now. I'm probably still a soprano, but do you know what it counts to be a soprano to like singers? What note you have to hit to be considered a soprano? A flat. (laughs) A flat what? In what octave? The third octave. That's like, (laughs) that's like alto range. God dang it, okay. (laughs) See, this is me fully educating you on something you have no idea this about. Is, this is one department I truly don't know much on. So most singers, if you tell them that you're a soprano, will be like, can you consistently, technically, well, hit a high C? Which for those of you who play instruments is a C6. So if you can't reliably hit a C6, you're probably not a soprano. You're probably a mezzo who has some stretch range into soprano, right? So Uh like with you, from the limited amount I've heard you sing, you would probably be categorized as like a Barry tenor. Because you- Listen, listen, I can be whatever I want. I have the range of a God, okay? I can be anything I want. I got it all. I got it all. Right, right. Sorry, sorry. You're- all the voice types and all the voice ranges. Hey, what'd you say it was? Just, just, uh, just a just berry tenor. Note? Yeah. Oh yeah, so, so I'm gonna look yeah. that up while you speak. Huh? <laughs> so because you have some stretch into tenor, but you're not fully down at the depth of a end of a baritone's range, okay. right? So a baritone is those really kind of deep, rich kind of um, a man singing Moon River type sound do you know me? that song me no baritones baritones oh i was that. like not me i've been told no. i have an incredibly light voice <laughs> yeah so that's why i think you might be a very tenor because you have the lightness of a tenor 
but you have some stretch into those lower notes because I've you got you because you're speaking quite low right now. I've got you. I got you. Let whereas like, <laughs> whereas for me as a soprano, like this will probably mean nothing to anyone who's listening, almost anyone who's listening. But it's my a very range, niche audience you're hitting. Yeah, my range is an F. Seven. Sometimes down to an E Minus. two oh. to an F sharp six. Those are the ranges. <laughs> That's all I know. Yeah. It's it's like three and like a half octaves-ish. If I'm going like F to F, like F3 to F6, that's three, and then to like almost F two is like so proud of you so proud of you thanks so much work most people have a two octave range if they don't have any technique or singing training not me i got four yeah oh. you have freddie mercury level i freddie mercury <laughs> level dude tell you two years i'll, I'll bust out an album i'll bust yeah. out an album yeah uh, um pre-order on spotify andres's debut album what's it going to be called uh, my, my time in the sun. My time in the sun by JAP right there. JAP, that's not your name at all. JAS. Is that my street name? Where did I get P from? Oh, you know what it definitely was? I was like, I was going to say your like English name, which your last name is Peppers. Oh, Pepper. It'd be P, but it's not. Joe Andrew Peppers. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I actually, I was telling my friend the other day, I think I should be Joe Andre. Drop the W. I think Joe Andre Peppers is way better than Jay, uh, Joe on, Jay Andrew, <laughs> Joe Andrew Peppers. I think no, I, better. I like Andres or Andrew, but Andre just seems to not your not personality. Me. All right, whatever. I, I can't be cool. I can't be cool. I've never not met a not cool Andre. Look at Andre the Giant. I want to be like him. He died like, of a horrible know, heart failure. I know. <laughs> he was too large. He, he was, was too, too large. Hey, but <laughs> that dude could lift a motorcycle. Like, that's insane. Also, have you seen the famous photo? He can carry six women at once. Oh, he yes. Had, he, he would have three sitting on a one arm. As he was stretching his arm out, he had three sitting in the other arm, and he would just hold them there. Yeah. That is incredible, Kelsey. I, can't, I can barely hold my niece in my one arm. This man was able to hold six women, three and three? Wow. Wasn't he also like an insane bodybuilder though? Yes, yes. Well, he was a wrestler. So, yeah. so he, he lifted weights a lot. So I'm really not- sad Because that man, uh, he had one of his final fights and it's considered to be quite symbolic. He's the old age of wrestling. And one of his <laughs> final fights was um, to, um, not Macho Man Randy Savage, uh, to- to uh the blonde guy he's the blonde wrestler super famous hulk hogan uh, hulk hogan thank you yes <laughs> one of his final fights ever in life was the hulk hogan and he lost uh obviously scriptedly lost mm-hmm. um he lost the hulk hogan and shortly after uh, uh andre giant died but it's considered to be symbolic because andre giant was from an old time of wrestling and Hulk hogan was about this new showy over the top wrestling mm-hmm. and so that final battle that final wrestling match is considered symbolic as a transition from one era to the other as mm-hmm. andre the giant was escorted away shouting at hulk hogan he'll return 
and Hulk Hogan being victorious, it's considered like the symbolic moment in wrestling where it all shifted and there was a dynamic duel in which the new era of wrestling have, had been born. Interesting. And where does- Thought you never learned that one. Thought you never learned that one. I, I never thought I would learn that one for sure. Especially since I haven't even seen like Nacho Libre. Like I have no wrestling knowledge. <laughs> Don't roll Probably your eyes at me. We, we have problems in the chat right now. This is a problem. <laughs> You haven't seen like School of Rock. Yeah, but one, they're both the same person. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, what is a phenomenal actor that I realized School of Rock is also Jack Black? Yeah. So I don't think checkmate. you can. Checkmate. I don't think you can get at me. I think it's a checkmate and you should end it there. All right. You should stop. You should stop coming after me. You stop okay. coming after me. Checkmate. I will stop. That's right. This is now the one just lad on podcast. <laughs> Population um, of one. I'll just talk to myself. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that you do talk to yourself all the time. All the time. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's your. It's only crazy if you respond. That's, that's what I was told as a kid. That's a good line in the sand. I think. <laughs> uh, that's what I was always told as a kid. And that's what I'm gonna go off of. So it's only crazy if you respond. Hmm. Um, I totally lost my thought about where we're at. You're talking about singing. singing. Yeah, but that's, that's You're, literally. You, you just told me your whole range. You just told me your whole range. Oh, yes. Okay. So to wrap this up, because I know that people are not interested in this. If you are interested. And everybody wants more Andre the Giant facts. I got them. <laughs> I got but that. yeah, if you're interested in anything we talk about and you want to hear more, always like comment on our post that our Awful. episode is up so that we know what you want us to talk about. But anyway, to wrap it up, singers use their internalized sense of rhythm. And when they're singing, they don't actually pay attention that much to the actual sound coming out of their heads. They listen to the music around them more for like key to make sure that they're voice feels more or less right yes like you can kind of feel at least i can when i sing i can feel when i'm out of the right key signature like i can feel it i don't even have to hear it to know and that's because singers also and musicians truly deal in things like quarter tones and half tones like very minute adjustments to make sure that their tonality is really like as close to true pitch as possible Mm -hmm. so whenever someone asks you like what do you think of your singing voice you can just be like i don't hear my singing voice i feel my singing voice and like really hit them with that one yeah like really slap them across the face with that (laughs) but to also go back to your skull comment skull shape actually really influences your singing voice because it changes the way air moves through your cavities in your head which changes the resonance of the sound coming out of your mouth so freddie mercury example yes. dude had pretty large te- famously had pretty large teeth his mouth was like wouldn't even close properly right is that one of the things they're right yeah. probably whatever that's probably just an urban language ah <laughs> uh, but what i do know is his teeth you told me this once he would he didn't want to get his teeth ever fixed not because it was his look but because he truly believed that it was it, the vibrations of it all would like mess up right that was mm-hmm. the whole thing yeah because when he what he would have to do to get his teeth because he had a really bad overbite mm-hmm. um which means your top teeth stick out really far over your bottom teeth for those of you who don't know so in order for that to happen any sort of jaw surgery like that they have to break that part of your jaw and that in that in his case a part of his skull and like rearrange it 
which would change the amount of air in his sinus cavities, in his nasal cavity, in any sort of empty air cavity in his face. And when you do that, the sound of your voice changes, which means that the techniques that he's relied on might not actually work anymore. And he might sound completely different and have to basically relearn how to sing in his body. That's wild. That's wild. And that's also why people who, for instance, like Ariana Grande, who can hit like those whistle notes, like for some people, you will never be able to hit that no matter how much training you have. For for those of us who aren't magically, magically, musically (laughs) uh, talented, what is a whistle note? So a whistle note is when she's like screaming up like, (laughs) it's like Uh. really high up. Okay. That wasn't even a whistle note because I didn't feel like busting the microphone um, with how ears. loud it can be. Yeah, or yes. your ears. But when she's really like screaming up there, mm-hmm. if your head is not the right shape, you will never be able to get those even if you train your whole life. Is that a fact? Like like a solid fact in stone? Like you just can't? Pretty much. I mean, because if you think about it, there are some notes that you will just never be able to hit because your vocal cords aren't the right thickness. Like I'll never be able to hit the same notes as a bass because my vocal cords, my body just physically can't do it. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with expanding your range in any direction. You are limited not by your discipline always, but by the actual physical limitations of your body, just like sports players, right? Fair, fair. So, or like Beyonce, she has a really beautiful tone in her voice, right? That is probably from years of training her voice and singing all the time, but also she just got a good skull shape and there's nothing that anyone can do about that. In the same vein, um, recently, about a month or two, maybe two months now, time flies by quickly in the pandemic. Um, I was listening to Miley Cyrus talk on the Joe Rogan podcast and <laughs> um, Miley Cyrus's voice is very different than what I remember. It's all raspy now. It's low and... And she now does rock, which is really great music. Mm-hmm. I really love it. Um, but she was saying that her voice is now a result of never being told how to probably take care and train her voice. So what, 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 what am I trying to get at? Like, what, what, do we, what do we think about voices like Miley who, are, who have been unkept, like, like untrained and, un, and everything? Now, now it's all raspity and whatnot. Like, could that could it have been prevented? Or is that like the direction she was going in or... Just for you, for someone who knows music pretty well. I mean, personally, I've always heard that raspy side to her voice. Because even when I was a Hannah Montana stan, she always had an inclination to go towards raspier, more like vocal fry-y sounds. Mm-hmm. And she always seemed more comfortable in her chest voice versus that like very poppy middle and head voice which is like um, Britney Spears type is very like mid and head voice for people who like don't conceptualize singing the way that I do. Um, But also you do have to do some kind of maintenance on your voice because you don't want to vocal fry too much, which is how Kim Kardashian talks. She's like, oh my. And you push a lot of air through your vocal cords that Mm -hmm. can I don't want to say like traumatize them, but it puts a lot of pressure on them. And that's what you don't want to do when you're singing. You want mm-hmm. to put all the pressure anywhere but your throat, right? Really? So if she sings, okay. mm-hmm, because these are all very delicate bones, right? 
they're not really meant to handle strength like your biceps are, right? They're not built for that. So you should hold all the tension in your abdomen when you're singing. So if she sings really heavily relying on her larynx to do the work rather than the airflow, then that can damage your voice over a long period of time. However, she's not that old yet. So if she gets- But a voice, she has been singing since like 12, so- Yeah, but like when you're young- 18, 18 years of like strain from the throat- but when you're young, it's hard, it's easier to undo damage that you've done to your voice than when, if she were 40 and she's like, I haven't seen this way for 30 years, then that's a little bit harder to fix. Interesting. But, you know, I don't think there's also probably that self-consciousness where like the rock female voice is not popular. I love like, it. I think it's awesome. No, I do too. But it's not like what music executives generally think is easily marketable. Like it's easier mm. to get a hit me baby on my time to people to dance to than like uh -huh. Miley's new music, which is much darker, much like deeper, a little bit more. I've always been a Miley stan. So like, yeah. I, just love, I just love anything that she does. No, I really enjoy her new music. Um, but I don't think she is like beyond quote unquote help with her voice if really okay. if that's the question because oh. also women's voices don't fully mature till they're like 35 so like she could go through another major vocal change just because she's getting older how old is Miley Cyrus I think she's like 28 28 you'd be correct haha -ha, that's uh can I get a point for the uh U.S. history quiz we took before this no, <laughs> no points to you. But yeah, very. I could talk so much more about singing, just the way that you could talk about conspiracy theories or like <sighs> politics true. or video games or you know. Well, in the vein of conspiracy theories, I have something about this. Uh, uh, the, well, I studied in one of these classes. Funny mm. enough. Uh, so you said voice fry, right? Um, yeah. Voice fry is actually something I've studied. Um, because it's a common misbelief that women women exclusively voice fry that women like it, it it's the most quote-unquote annoying aspect of a woman speaking is that they voice fry all the time well you're vocal frying right now i'm vocal frying <laughs> on purpose but i always vocal fry that's my style of speaking mm -hmm. um but according to men for a long time women women can't be singers women aren't good at singing women are sucky communicators because they vocal fry and then all the evidence came out. <laughs> it was proven that men do it just as much, if not more, than women. But because we just always wanted to attack women, we pinned it on women. And we say that women are vocal fryers. But if you look it up, there's plenty of men out there who are famously vocal fryers. Mm -hmm. So yeah, even from the era in which this was a debate, which was not that long ago. It's actually a pretty recent debate that happened. Um yeah, there, there was even the man who like held his charge. There was like someone compiled an hour long footage of him just vocal frying. And it was <laughs> like, hmm, hmm, just the women, see? Well, this could be an interesting question to leave the audience off on before we sign off for this episode, which okay. is, do you think that specifically people who have American accents, like United States of America accents, are more likely to vocal fry because our pattern of speech lends itself more to finishing sentences on a decline versus an incline that's a big question 
<laughs> it's a big one, but I think in season two, they can handle it. In season two, man, this is season two, season three, we're getting to the moon. We're getting yeah. <laughs> well, any last words, Andres? Uh, yes. Um, uh, like Kelsey said, we're not, we, we don't know the results of inauguration yet. Not the results, like there will be results, <laughs> but we don't know what's happened. Uh, there, at the current state of the world, while we're watching, there's National Guard, there's a bunch of security. Uh, President Trump is taking the, the Lincoln bus that's in the White House for some reason. I don't know if you see the image, it's kind of hilarious. There's a bunch of, there's a bunch of people moving all this stuff out. And there was a, there's an image of one of the movers taking a Lincoln bus and they putting it in the van. So I guess President Trump is taking the Lincoln bus with him. It's pretty funny. I don't know what's coming of that. I don't know. Oh, I thought you said Lincoln bus, like a school no. bus. No, like a bust, like, like in his head. They, oh, that's taking, weird. He's taking an Abraham Lincoln bust. <laughs> he's taking it with him. I don't know what that's about. Um, so uh, for those of you, if this is troubling times, I hope you find comfort in our podcast. Uh, as per usual, Kelsey and I's schedule is always the worst when it comes to these recordings. Uh, but that's just the nature of the world. Uh, we really appreciate every single one of you. We still appreciate Kelsey's mom for being a sponsor. Uh, we appreciate Marco for editing these podcasts. We appreciate Kelsey's sister, who is a great assistant to the podcast. And we thank you, the listeners, for listening to us every time. And I'm trying to take everything away from Kelsey so she has nothing to say. Uh, Kelsey, back to you. See you in the next one, guys. Later! <laughs> time for some bloopers. Hey, guys, <clears throat> and welcome. Oh, I didn't know we were just starting. I'm sorry. I thought you were going to give you a warning. I thought you were going to give me a warning. I was clear right there. I was like, <coughs> I'm so sorry. Right. I'm so sorry. But All that's right. our beginning now. That's what it is. I know. Uh, Marco, don't edit that out. But here's take two. <laughs> Put that in the blooper reel at the end. Yeah.